Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Not long ago, an article appeared in the New York Times about artificial intelligence and the research that was being done at Cornell University. The headline read, Electronic Brain Teaches Itself, and the article went on to describe how the Navy, who funded the research, had just demonstrated the embryo of an electronic computer named the Perceptron, which was due to be completed in about a year. It was expected to be the first non-living mechanism able to perceive, recognize, and identify its surroundings without human training or control. The article said that it's expected to walk, talk, see, write, reproduce itself, and be conscious of its existence. Not only that, but it's expected to be finished in about a year at a cost of $100,000. Now, many of you are possibly impressed that something that amazing could be developed at a cost of a mere $100,000. But you must understand that $100,000 was a lot of money in 1958 when the article was written. Don't accuse me of misleading you by saying not long ago either. I'm about to bring up the ancient Egyptians in a few minutes, and on that time scale, 65 years ago is not long ago at all. The article went on to describe how, in principle, it was now possible in 1958, to build brains that can reproduce themselves on assembly lines, which would be conscious of their own existence. The people at the New York Times were possibly a bit optimistic. But anyhow, I guess what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes the press can get a bit carried away when new technology appears. There's no record as to whether Kathy Wood invested in the Perceptron or not at the time. She didn't get nearly as much press back then. A decade later, in 1968, Terry Winograd demonstrated a program called Schlerdu. Best of luck pronouncing that one. It was able to answer questions in natural language and move blocks around in a virtual world. Even looking at it today, the dialogues that it generated were remarkably lifelike. In 1970, a team of researchers built a robot called Shaky, one of the first autonomous vehicles that could navigate around the labs and halls of SRI where it was built. When its path was blocked by a box, it would pause to decide what to do. Watching it, you might wonder if it was just running calculations or if it was actually thinking. Life magazine referred to it as the first electronic person at the time. So if AI has been around for quite a while, why are people all of a sudden so excited about it? Well, a big reason is that new programs like ChatGPT and MidJourney that have recently been released to the public are generative AI, meaning that they are writing text and creating new images, things that we have up until now mostly thought of as human activities. 
In the three months since ChatGPT has been made available to the public, its popularity has exploded. In January, it was estimated to have 100 million monthly active users, making it the fastest growing consumer app in history. This triggered an explosion of investor interest in AI. OpenAI has attracted an additional $10 billion of investment from Microsoft at a $29 billion valuation. BuzzFeed, the digital media company stock, jumped 150% in January when they announced that AI-inspired content would become part of their core business. The excitement around ChatGPT set off a race where all of the big tech firms were suddenly rushing to emphasize their leadership in the AI space and to tell investors how core AI is to their business models. This chart shows how mentions of AI in big tech companies' most recent earnings calls spiked. A recent survey of 3,000 managers reported in The Economist found that 57% of their companies claim to be piloting or deploying artificial intelligence. Additionally, 59% claim to have an artificial intelligence strategy, and 70% say that they understand how AI can generate business value. This is an exciting technology and we should quite reasonably expect AI breakthroughs to change the way things are done over time. But as you can already see from my introduction, there has been a lot of hype about artificial intelligence in the past too. So today let's talk about AI, what it is, how it works and where all of this might be going. We'll try and see if, as an investor, you should worry about missing the boat on AI, and as an individual, should you worry about losing your job to these new technologies. For those of you who haven't played around with it yet, ChatGPT is a computer chatbot which can understand natural language and respond to you just like a real person would. You can type in a question in plain English and you'll get an answer. You can ask it to write you a song about turnips in the style of Bob Dylan, which of course I did, and this is what you get. Now, I'm not sure that Dylan will be put out of work by a lyric bot quite yet, but the technology is still kind of impressive. Anyway, as long as you're not expecting miracles, ChatGPT will probably impress you with its capability. It can write songs, work like a search engine, generate functioning computer code, and engage users in a conversational manner. It's worth trying out. It's frankly a lot of fun. The truth is, though, that you've probably been interacting with a number of different forms of AI for quite some time now, often without really thinking about it. Your phone uses it for facial recognition or predictive texting. YouTube will have used AI to recommend this video to you, and Google uses it to try and guess what you're trying to search for online. The recent hype around AI is possibly driven by the fact that writing and artistic applications of the technology offer a more tangible example of what AI can do than a few of the examples that we've just discussed, even if some of the hidden examples of AI are much more impressive. AI is already a deeply ingrained technology in a number of fields where it's extremely useful, but it operates mostly in the background rather than front and center like in these new applications. 
The recent developments are still impressive and have the potential to revolutionise the way we work, but this isn't something that has appeared entirely out of the blue, and it's worth being careful whenever Wall Street finds a new buzzword to get excited about. Okay, so the term AI was coined by a mathematics professor at Dartmouth College named John McCarthy when he organized a summer conference on artificial intelligence funded by a Rockefeller Foundation grant in 1956. There's not much else about McCarthy that suggests that he should have devoted himself to a career in marketing, coming up with catchy slogans, but his choice of the term artificial intelligence went on to capture the imagination of the press for close to 70 years. Had he picked a term like symbolic processing or analytical computation, you might not be watching this video right now. Not because the technology wouldn't exist, but simply because those terms just aren't clickbait. Without the title artificial intelligence, the technology might seem less exciting, less terrifying, and more like what it actually is, which is the continued advancement of automation through technology. The first really big breakthrough in recent years that's captured the public's imagination was the program Deep Blue, which beat the then world champion Garry Kasparov in a six-game tournament back in 1997. This victory drew widespread attention and sparked endless debate at the time about whether humans could maintain supremacy over machines. With computer chess being viewed as a solved problem, attention moved on to new challenges, things like computer vision, self-driving cars, speech recognition, and natural language processing. Potential applications in the world of medicine mean that researchers are training AIs to detect certain conditions earlier and with greater accuracy than human doctors can. The technology is also being used to aid in the development of new drugs. When discussing artificial intelligence, it's important to reflect on what we even mean when we use the term intelligence. If you wanted to compare certain aspects of human intelligence, you could give a group of people a bunch of calculations to complete and decide that whoever gets the calculations done fastest and with the greatest accuracy is the most intelligent of the group. But the problem with that approach is that a $1 calculator will beat most humans at a task like this, and no one would claim that this is evidence that the calculator has superior intelligence. There are in fact all sorts of tasks that machines perform better than humans do, and we don't get worried or upset about them. Cars can outrun us, ATM machines can count money faster than we can, cameras can see better in the dark. Computers can beat us at games, recognize faces with great accuracy, and recommend movies better than many of our friends can. An app on your phone can give you directions across town, taking all sorts of factors into account to get you there as efficiently as possible. There's nothing that new about our abilities being beaten by machines that we build. In fact, the whole reason that we build machines is that they can do tasks better than we can do without them. So why does AI attract so much controversy then? Well, partially because some practitioners have made overly broad claims for their breakthroughs, often to attract investment. 
but also because AI does actually pose real challenges to our beliefs about human uniqueness and our place in the universe. Some of these new technologies look an awful lot like what we think of as intelligence, and it's difficult to know where the boundary lies between clever programming and actual artificial intelligence. Some of the beliefs being challenged by these human-seeming technologies are beliefs that resist scientific explanation anyhow. Things like the existence of the human soul or Cartesian dualism, the idea that mental events are somehow distinct and independent from the physical world. Humans have used tools or built machines for quite some time, but we haven't typically attributed intelligence to these machines. We don't look at our phones and think that they've grown smarter when we install a new app. But as computers' abilities grow and they simulate human activity, there is an increasing temptation to see them as having actual intelligence. Most of the fears that people express about artificial intelligence are quite simple. They're the fear that AI might threaten our livelihoods and our quality of life by making many of our activities obsolete. We worry that our skills may no longer be useful in the world that's being built. So should we expect AI robots to just take our jobs then? It's easy to imagine AI as being like a mechanical employee where an employer rolls in a new robot and walks an obsolete worker to the door. Thinking of automation this way obscures the most important economic effect, which is how automation changes the nature of the work that we do. The changes in agricultural employment in the United States provides a good example of how society can be changed by automation. In 1870, 80% of Americans worked on farms, while today less than 2% do. Luckily, this shift in employment happened gradually, because if it had happened overnight, it would have been disastrous for the displaced workers who would have struggled to adapt to new types of work. Farmers weren't forced to find employment overnight as yoga instructors, computer programmers, or TikTok influencers. Older agricultural workers stayed on working on farms, but as they saw machines slowly encroach on their work, they encouraged their children to move to cities to find work in the new industries that were springing up. Now, of course, there was plenty of hardship during this transition, and I don't mean to minimise it, but the gradual nature of the transition made it a bit easier on the labour force. Workplace technology has increased worker productivity since it first appeared in the Industrial Revolution, and this increase in productivity meant that fewer people were needed to do the same amount of work, but the increased wealth that resulted from this new higher productivity ended up creating new jobs. According to an MIT paper, 63% of the jobs that people are doing today simply didn't exist in the 1940s. Fortunately, in the past, these changes tended to be somewhat gradual, as displaced workers often struggle to retrain for new types of work. When we have gradual technological improvement, labour markets can adjust, but it's much harder to deal with a sudden shift. The risk of AI bringing about a sudden shift as to which skills are valued in the labour market is what people worry the most about as the rate of technological progress speeds up. Automation and technology 
tend to replace skills more than they replace jobs. Employers just need tasks completed rather than needing workers. And the new technology that makes one worker more productive is likely to, at least in the short term, put another worker out of a job. Technology also changes the skill set required of the worker who keeps their job. The nature of work done by a supermarket cashier is a good example, as it's changed significantly over the years. A cashier used to examine each item in a customer's basket, ring it up on a cash register, and count out the money and the change. Now this is all done by barcode scanners and credit card machines, often with the customer scanning their own goods. Cashiers today deal mostly with exceptions, sorting out problems when a barcode is missing or dealing with items that require special handling. The job still exists, but it's quite different and fewer workers are required. AI can be thought of as just another advance in automation, but this time it's coming after different types of jobs than automation came after in the past. The big worry being the speed at which it could eliminate the need for certain skills in the economy. To understand if AI will put someone out of work, we need to think through what skills in aggregate the worker uses, how automatable those skills are, and to what extent those skills can be separated from the rest of the work that they do. The fewer unique skills that a worker uses in their role, the more they're at risk of being replaced. But even if just some of their skills are replaced, increasing their productivity is likely to, at least temporarily, reduce overall employment. Now, the idea of breaking down the procedures of a skilled worker's tasks into if-then rules, not unlike the way they're organized in computer code, is not new. In fact, it dates back to ancient Egypt, when an ancient papyrus scroll codified the steps involved in surgery in this very manner. The scroll describes 48 different types of injuries and lays out the steps a surgeon should follow in dealing with them. Historically, automation has replaced routine tasks that require repetition or that can be easily put in a sequence and coded up. AI is expanding this to tasks that are considerably less routine, things like driving a car, reading handwritten text, and translating between languages. Using Midjourney, you can use AI to design a business logo or create artwork for a book cover in seconds. Machine learning techniques have become very adept at this type of task, often equaling or exceeding human abilities. Big data techniques can perform tasks that historically we believed required insight, like detecting unusual flows of data on a network, indicating that a hacker might be active, or spotting unusual credit card activity, signaling possible fraud. And it can always be on the lookout, unlike human workers who get tired or grow bored, or who are simply unable to track the huge amount of data required. Machine learning means that the AI can search for patterns in data, learning from its successes and failures, consistently improving. 
AI techniques promise to dramatically improve productivity in a number of areas, previously resistant to automation, and this could devastate certain professions. Technology has already eliminated a lot of middle-income jobs. Some of the workers have moved up and are earning more money than before, but many have moved down and are earning less. Ten years ago, researchers at Oxford University analyzed U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics data and concluded that 47% of the jobs that people were employed in at the time were at high risk of automation, and another 19% were at medium risk. YouTubers have been busy making videos saying that you can get rich with ChatGPT, using it to write video scripts and things like that. But if this task can be so easily automated, why would YouTube pay video creators rather than just creating and promoting in-house AI-generated content? Why pay a channel owner advertising fees when YouTube could not only create this generic content, but also direct viewers to it using their algorithm? People are actually busy creating this type of content too. An American science fiction magazine says that they've stopped accepting submissions for new stories after being overwhelmed by ChatGPT submissions. They've been receiving four times the normal number of submissions since the technology became available. The Oxford University study argues that historically automation has eliminated blue-collar jobs, but white-collar jobs that mostly involve the processing of information are natural targets for AI. Applying AI techniques to white-collar tasks is maybe less challenging, as manipulating information is easier to automate for these new programs than integrating with the physical world. Many high-status skills are today much easier to automate, while many lower-status skills are significantly more of a hurdle. Anyone who writes for a living has to be concerned, as it's easier to get an AI to write a simple article comparing two mobile phones to each other than it is to build and program a robot to install a sprinkler system in someone's lawn. Jobs that involve simple data processing, filling out forms, or creating generic documents are particularly at risk to these new technologies. Similarly, graphic design type jobs are at risk as AI artwork becomes quick and cheap to create. Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, argues that AI will actually create more new jobs than it replaces, and that these jobs will be more satisfying to do, as the tedious tasks will be automated away. At a time when population growth in most parts of the world has stalled, and the ratio of retirees to workers is growing, the productivity enhancements associated with these new technologies could fill some of the gaps that are emerging in the workforce. Many tasks can already be automated using existing technologies, but haven't been, as some of the work that people do is social rather than just physical. A machine may be able to take your order and make you a coffee. In fact, they do that at McDonald's today. But not everyone wants to go to a coffee shop where there's no human interaction. That's not why they go out. A mobile phone is perfectly capable of playing you a recording of a great piece of music, but people still pay to go to concerts to see the piece performed live and to be part of the event. 
The Oxford study showed that the blue-collar jobs at the greatest risk of being rapidly replaced are task-based jobs that require very little human interaction. And it argues that the safest jobs are the one where people interact with people. As great as an exercise bike with an iPad attached to it might be, people still want to go to gyms, get advice from trainers and interact with real people. They like the social interaction and the feeling that they're getting advice that's tailored to their needs. I don't expect that this will change anytime soon. Before we worry too much about AI and how it might change our world and replace the jobs that we do, we should understand a little bit about how it works and how it differs from actual human intelligence. An amusing story that you might have seen over the last few weeks is that Getty Images is suing the creators of a popular AI art tool called Stable Diffusion over alleged copyright violations. The lawsuit highlights how these generative AI programs work and how they base their creations on artwork or images that already exist, without understanding anything about the images. Stable Diffusion relies on human-created images for training data, and these images were scraped from all over the internet. Because of this, it was noticed that Stable Diffusion sometimes includes a distorted Getty Images logo in the corner of the images that it creates, something that no human creator would do, as they would know that this is not a necessary part of the image that the end user would want included. This example shows how the software can create without any real understanding of what's being created. That doesn't mean that these programs aren't and that they won't put graphic designers out of work, but it shows how the software creates images without any real understanding of what it's doing. It can replicate the style of an image, but entirely miss out on any nuance. John Searle, an American philosopher, has argued that the whole concept of artificial intelligence, as a lot of people understand it, makes little sense, as computers can't think simply because they don't actually mean to do anything. Without understanding or intentionality, we can't describe what the machine is doing when it's running a program as thinking. He argues that at best computers manipulate symbols and we associate their computations with the outside world. He further points out that saying that they're even manipulating symbols is a bit of a stretch, as all that's actually happening is that electrons are floating around in the circuits and we're the ones interpreting this activity as symbol manipulation. Machines can reflect the complexity of the real world, but without any connection to the real world, they're just unmoored structure. Generative AI can construct beautiful paintings and write poetry, but that doesn't mean that it's thinking, just that it's simulating thought. A player piano is not doing the same thing as an expert musician, even if the sound that comes out is the same. When we look at generative AI in action, creating a painting from scratch in seconds, it chips away at our intuition as to what it means to be human and what makes us special, interesting and useful. But those fears come from misunderstanding what's actually happening with the technology. People are more flexible today in terms of work than they were in the past. They've become used to change and don't expect to be hired into a job in their 20s where they can work in that role until retirement. 
Today, people are much more comfortable with the idea that they might have a series of careers rather than one specific thing that they do for life. If we go back to the idea of what would have happened if agriculture had been suddenly automated 150 years ago, it would have been hugely disruptive, but it would equally have massively increased the availability of fresh food and reduced its cost to consumers. Agricultural workers would likely have struggled to find new roles in the new world that suddenly appeared, but people are actually extremely resilient and more flexible than we might initially expect. They would likely, after some difficulty, find a way of adding value in the new society and of supporting themselves and their families. So, as an investor, should you panic if you haven't yet invested in an AI company? Well, if you're worrying about missing the next big thing, you probably shouldn't. You firstly don't need to catch every move in the markets. If you were trying to invest in every hot new thing over the last few years, you would have invested in weed stocks, 3D printing, doggy coin, the metaverse, Web3, NFTs. You'd basically be investing like a finance YouTuber. And if you invest like a finance YouTuber, well, your returns will look like the ARK Innovation Fund. Odds are that you really don't need to change much about your investment portfolio to get exposure to artificial intelligence. Almost every big company out there will have some exposure to these new technologies. As I mentioned earlier, 59% of companies claim to have an artificial intelligence strategy, and 70% say that they understand how AI can generate business value. Trying to invest in the hottest new AI startups could work out for you, but you do run the risk of investing in MySpace rather than Facebook or Nokia rather than Apple. Often a calm and steady approach will work out better in the long run than trying to catch the latest investment fads. I think we don't need to panic. We should probably be optimistic about these new technologies and flexible about how our work might change in the future as new tools become available. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends, as there's no algorithm for podcasts. They just spread by word of mouth. Have a great day and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.